What's up, gamers? Welcome to Battle Mallet Podcast, episode 30, Hex Ed Strong Start. Uh, Battle Mallet Podcast is a show delving into the minds of, well, tonight, two busy gamers, or not so busy gamers, thanks, COVID, uh, playing games that they love uh, and balancing life with those games. Uh, if you've been listening for a while, you would know that normally I would say something about the Nova Open, uh, but yeah, we're not doing that this year either. So, uh, I'm Jared Johnson, and I am here tonight with Jason Tabled Noob Murray. Howdy ho, listeners. It's good to actually get a recording in. Awesome. I know, and, and hopefully uh, after this strong start, uh, you know, we can uh, maybe get, get some momentum as the world opens back up and, and we are all a little bit more motivated to build, paint, and play. Uh, we can get some more recordings done. But we are here tonight to do a Hex Ed episode. Hex Ed, for those of you that are unfamiliar, uh, is going to be an episode that focuses on Warhammer Underworlds. And we're going to talk tonight about uh, like why you should be playing Warhammer Underworlds uh, and uh, potentially you know, how to get started. So if you're unfamiliar with Warhammer Underworlds, uh, we're just going to steal the script from WarhammerUnderworlds.com. And it says that Warhammer Underworlds is a hybrid arena combat game where players battle it out in the mortal realms with warbands of models using decks they've built to swing the balance in their favor. Each battle sees fighters grow in power and skill, combining elements from Warhammer, RPGs, and card games into one awesome experience, the ultimate competitive miniatures game. So, Right? So so with that, you know, I think, you know, it's that last phrase... That, that is really what keyed us into the game, Jason. Because it, 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 I think as far as Games Workshop products are concerned, I think out of the gate, the most important thing to note, it is, it is probably the best competitive game that Games Workshop produces. So if you are a Games Workshop miniatures fan and you want a... a a well-designed competitive game. I think out of the gate, I think we have to say, you know, our opinions, of course, but it, I think we have to say that it's Warhammer Underworlds. Uh, and so we're, yeah. we're just going to spend a lot of time talking about it and talking about why we like it and why you should be playing it. So initial thoughts, Jason? Yeah, just to, just to backtrack one quick minute, for, for listeners that have been with us for a while, you're probably like, why are you backtracking and why are you just talking about kind of the essence that is Underworlds? And I think that, you know, as Jared and I have had actually in-person games here, we've realized that the world is opening up. Um, we're coming out of this this funk, and I think it's the best time to just have something uh, recorded where you can share with your group of gamers uh, or someone that you come across uh, to to try to help them understand what Warhammer Underworlds in is, and you know, like you're saying, Jared, the reason that I was drawn to Warhammer Underworlds is that the the competitive miniature game um, part of it, um, but it was really all the elements. It's like it's a little bit Warhammer, it's a little bit you know uh, RPG where you have a set cast of characters, um, and then there's dice to it. So it kind of scratches all the itches. And really, I think when we jumped across um, the other games we were playing, it was really hard to find a balanced game. And I don't mean the game itself being balanced. I mean 
the experience between two players having the same expectations coming to the table. Did you say that was kind of one of the other reasons we got into it? Yeah, I think so. So, you know, if it, for anybody that's been listening and, you know, to kind of catch everyone up, if this is the first time you're listening to us, you know, for a long time, we were only Warhammer 40K and Age of Sigmar players or Warhammer Fantasy Battle before Age of Sigmar was a thing. And, uh, you know, my personal experience is that if you're playing a pickup game with somebody that you don't know, it's hard to know what kind of game they're expecting. Um, you could have built this list that is designed to represent, you know, a very specific force within the lore, you know, a, a part of the 10th company of a Space Marines chapter. And they have designed a list that is built purely to win games, regardless of what kind of force it would represent in, in a book or in a story. And it, it's in those cases that neither player really has the best experience that they could have. So if, if I brought the, this very, you know, fluffy is the, the, is the word that is used, this lore-based army, and then my opponent has brought this very competitive army, well, I'm not going to have a fun game because I could have it in my head that I want to see a story unfold. And my opponent's not going to have a fun game because they have it in their head that they really want to you know, test their mettle against a strong army and a strong opponent. And the great thing about Warhammer Underworlds is there's no mistake about what kind of game it is. I think every box says that it's the ultimate competitive miniatures game. And that's not to say that you can't create like a fun experience, yeah. you know, that you can't build a game, build a deck, as we'll talk about, that's just something fun or designed to do one specific thing. But ultimately, if I'm playing a pickup game of Warhammer Underworlds, I know that ultimately the, the warband that was chosen and the deck that was built was meant to win a game and 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 be competitive in some form. Yeah, it's exactly that. I mean, you can scale that competitiveness or your selections in the game to cater to the setting that you're in. So, like, you know, right now coming out of COVID, maybe new players or players that have not played in over a year um so you can make different you know decisions on the deck but in the at the end of the day you're still designing something to to win the game and that's it's been very um let's see very refreshing uh and kept my interest i always have a good game experience when i play underworlds um even when i get crushed because it's typically a decision that I made that was an incorrect decision, which is good. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, why don't we take a minute? Let's talk about what it looks like to to get ready for a, an Underworlds game. Okay. Right? Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's a you know, it can kind of. And then as we do this, as we talk about what it takes to get to pick something, I think there are going to be some key points that we can pick out about the game, maybe that that really intrigue us. So, so Jason, you know, what's the first thing you would do? Um, probably pick a war band. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I think that's, <laughs> yeah, so that's a good thing. So, so in Warhammer Underworlds, there are, I think, 36 available war bands that you could choose from. Um, and so each of those have a unique play style. Uh, the factions vary across the, the mortal realms, the, the grand 
uh, alliances of order, death, destruction, and chaos across, you know, Age of Sigmar. And so if you're really into skeletons or ghouls or vampires, you could pick something from death. If you're into, uh, like, star lizards or super soldier soul dudes or elves. Yeah, I never die. Or crabs. Um, you know, <laughs> pinch, you, could pick, you could pick something, you know, and, and, and it goes on. So, you know, if you're into orcs or goblins or trolls, uh, if you're into ogres, um, you know, you can, I mean, there's a variety, a, a, a huge variety of warbands available to choose from. Um, so, yeah, so you, so you pick a warband. Um, and then with that warband, you can kind of get an idea of what you're going to try to do in that game just based on you know, what the warband has, what's available, you know, if you're... Yeah. How many fighters are their stats, yeah. or... Yeah, if you um, pick a warband with three fighters, trying to hold three objectives, which we can get into, it's probably not a good idea. But if you've got a warband with high mobility and five or more fighters, I think maybe trying to hold some warband or hold objectives is a good idea. So let's say you picked your warband. Great, that's done. So what are you so, doing yeah, next, then, Jason? <clears throat> So then the other big element of the game is to design a deck <clears throat> and the deck is, you know, a deck of cards. And I, I like to, to liken the, the deck construction or the card selection to codexes of a lot of other games, right? Like, so you have your rules for that specific army. Well, this war band is going to come with a, a suite of uh, objectives and power cards that are designed just for that warband. They only can be selected by that warband. So it gives you that flavor. Like, you know, what you were talking about, Jared, where, you know, maybe this warband's good at holding objectives, or maybe this warband's really good at, you know, punching in the face, or maybe they're really resilient. Those warband cards will kind of lead you down further down the path of what they may be good at. And then there's a, I mean, hundreds of universal cards, which you know, or either like universal rules in another game, maybe it is a codex or, um, you know, special rules from back in, what was it, 7th edition 40K, where there was universal special rules, or if you played oh Infinity, gosh. universal special rules. And that's kind of like what uh, what universal cards are that any faction has access to. But you're going to design, design that deck, and it's going to be 12 objectives. The objectives uh, have conditions on the cards, and when you meet those conditions, you'll score glory, and glory is kind of the points that you use to win the game. And then the other is um, 20 cards in your power deck. They have to be um, 10 gambits, and gambits can be uh, ploys or spells. And those are, they don't really cost anything, but they have certain triggers or times where you play them th during the game. And then upgrades. Upgrades are typically a weapon or an attack action. Maybe it's a different, another stat, like adding strength or wounds. And those cost glory points to attach to a fighter, and that's where the little RPG element comes in. So then you're going to build your deck of 12 objectives and 20 power cards, and you're off yeah. to the races. Yeah, and so the way that I like to think about it is when you build your objective deck, this is how you're going to win the game. Like, what, what, what goals do I have to get points? And then your power deck is going to be the things that either help you achieve your goals or potentially help you foil your opponent's goals. Yes, uh, that's the only way to build the deck. Jason's favorite thing <laughs> to do. All right, so we picked our warband, and we've got our deck built. 
And then this is the part that I probably put the least amount of thought into, especially over the past year, is is with the game, it, it is arena-style combat, which means it's played on a very small board. Um, and it's two Hex small boards. Hex-based yeah. boards, yeah, that's important, right? There's no rulers required. You don't have to measure. You don't have to know, like, well, how far is 24 inches or whatever. So it's a, you know, it's a, a hex grid, uh, two boards that are joined together. You bring one and your opponent brings one. Uh, but picking the board matters because it can affect, you know, how close or far away you start from your opponent's fighters. It can affect where you put objective tokens, which are the spaces... Uh, that your warband can hold in order to score points. And it also can include uh, obstacles, whether that's a, an obstacle that can prevent line of sight or, or moving, or it could be a, a lethal hex, which actually damages, causes damage to, you know, models as you play the game. And so, yeah, boards. Yeah, boards. I, uh, and, boards. <laughs> and it, it really, you know, what we're talking about is the layers of depth that are really in this game. And it's, it's really interesting to me just how many decisions we have in a, in a smaller game. Um, you know, the games will take about 30 minutes, which is another great aspect of the game. But um, those boards add a huge element so it doesn't become repetitive. You're always playing on a different battlefield with a different, you know, set of parameters where, where the way you align them. And it really is a decision that you make. Like, if I want to be aggressive, I'm going to pick a board that puts my guys in a position to be right up front. I want to align it so I take, like, one step and I'm in your territory and I we just get to throw in dice. Um, or, you know, you get board choice and you, like, what we call hallway somebody, so take the lawn edge, and you start as far away possible and you say, okay, come get me. And what what um, what tactics, tricks, and... and um, ways does my opponent uh, have to get to me so positioning board placement are all layers of depth in this game that that we love yeah there's a there's another thing too like we've we've touched on these things so the cards the glory and then in the game itself there are activations so the game itself is made up of three turns a a turn being um I go, Jared goes, we have four activations, right? So I get four, he gets four, and if we, after we complete four of those activations, it's the end of a turn. We do that three times, it's the end of the game. So there's a lot of resource management in this game as well. Um, so you have the resources of the cards, like you only have 20 in your power hand, you only have 12 objectives. You can make choices to you know, ditch cards, draw cards, but then when you play it, Typically, that card doesn't come back. It's gone, it's spent, unless it's an upgrade and then it stays with the fighter. To do those upgrades, to have it stay with the fighter, you have to manage your glory. So not only do you have to score points to win, you then have to spend those points to apply these upgrades. So you're managing that resource. And the biggest part of this is you only have 12 activations to make all of those decisions to win the game, which I think just adds an awesome element one, it c- keeps it time, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, but you're managing this resource. You make a wrong decision with an activation, it can really put you behind in a turn and a game to, to score your objectives. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, it's huge. And then, you know, you run into questions of, well, I have six fighters, but I only have four activations per game turn. So that means potentially I have 
two fighters that aren't doing anything. So then it, you know, that's a, another, an, another element is, is now you have to think about your positioning. You know, do I have ways of, of doing something with this model as a reaction and, you know, something outside of an activation, um, where I can reposition them, um, or not. And that, and that, so that it cycles itself back into your deck construction and your warband choice. So I picked the warband that has four fighters. I have four activations. Okay. That's pretty easy. But, you know, I have six fighters. So, you know, what am I going to include in my power deck to make sure that I can make the most of those six fighters every game turn, despite the fact that I have only four activations? What happens if you have nine? Does the game easier then if you have nine fighters? Uh, uh, I think it gets easier once a lot of them are dead. Oh, okay. So, because, you know, just to show the, the depth again, there is a warband and in the uh, the goblins that have nine fighters and that is very it's a very rewarding warband but uh resource management is necessary <laughs> yeah well and so this goes into the design of the game is that so there is one warband in the whole game that has nine fighters um but they have a mechanic that is integrated directly with the warband it is a feature that is their warband alone and that they get to make free actions um you know they can't attack for free but you can move multiple fighters within one single activation within those 12 activations so there's a balance to managing those fighters and your activations baked right into the design of the warband which is really cool yeah you know one other layer of depth that i just want to touch on that's pretty unique to this game um, is open in for information because the game is designed to be played in the best of three um, kind of setting. So you you know you go through those three turns, you have a winner, you reset, you play the same person again, and the first person to win uh, two wins the best of three. But that creates a a, um, a layer of depth of just open information. So when you come to the table, I don't know what Jared's going to play until he says, "Oh, I'm playing." Uh, Ozark Bone Reapers, right? Like Kanan's Reapers, that's what I'm bringing. Okay, so I kind of have an idea because they all have, you know, set stats on their fighters' cards. You know, I've seen a couple other decks, they kind of play this way. Maybe that's aggro or maybe that's hold objectives. Um, but I don't really know what's in his deck. I don't really know everything. Well, as we play that first game, he sees the way my play style as I'm, um, <clears throat> as I'm taking you know, the daughters of Cain and uh, just attacking everything. <laughs> and uh, and I get to see his. And then when we reset for game two, now I know what's in his deck because he doesn't change that up. So now I have even more information and can, you know, tailor my strategy to counter whatever he's trying to do. Or maybe he doesn't have a counter for my hard aggro and I just go even harder and, you know, make sure that the dice fall in my, my, uh, my favor. So... Yeah. It's a it's a really 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 cool setting. Now it doesn't always have to be played best of three, but that is in the essence the way the game was designed. Sure. Yeah. So you just mentioned dice. I think we've actually missed something. One of uh, one of the best parts <laughs> of the game. Um, so anybody that's familiar with Warhammer understands that sixes are very important. So. Warhammer Underworlds uses six-sided dice. It has two flavors of dice, so one flavor for attacking and one flavor for defending, but 
regardless of the flavor, every dice has a critical on it. And the critical is is your six. It it, it provides for those, you know, once in a game, once in a series, you know, once in a in a tournament moments where, you know, you defy the odds and you roll the the one crit that you needed on one dice, um, regardless of the number of dice that your opponent was rolling. And it, I mean, in the end, it will always be a Games Workshop game. It's not chess, you know. There's there is randomness involved, and I mean, there it's not like they hide that information from you when they sell you the game. Um, but I think it 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 provides an awesome layer, and unfortunately. There's a card that uh, that <laughs> was Jason's favorite card for for many many months, years almost, um, until you know it it came out of season and and actually rotated out of competitive play. Um, but peerless the fighter, double, yeah, the double crit, <laughs> um, and it, you get two glory immediately whenever you roll two crits in any kind of roll. Um, so not only did you get a, a an awesome odds defying moment, but you also got to celebrate. <laughs> yes, typically a successful attack. So it, yeah, in you know the the dice do play a, a big part of this game. And for me, I I like to play dice games, right? Like I understand that because the ultimate competitive or miniatures game is in kind of the the title or the pitch of the game. Some people could could argue that the RNG or, you know, the randomness of dice can really uh, sway a game and and they can, but to me, we're playing in a fantasy realm, right? And we have these fighters that are just like their sole purpose is to just destroy attack. You know, that's what they're designed to. Like I, I, I think of a Stormcast eternal just standing there with their shield and, you know, a, a vampire lord just coming at him and you know he's on his last wound and you everything's stacked against him and he rolls that crit and granted a stormcast eternal maybe on two crits or two dice so it's a little better yeah. odds but but um and that's what grabbed me like honestly like the crit was one of the things when we started playing that hooked me to the game now at the yeah. same time it's one of those things that i'm like Gosh darn it, Jared! Stop rolling defensive crits. But it's just—it's to me—it's—it's it's fun. It gives me that puncher's chance. Like I, no matter yeah. if you know if I'm outclassed at the table, the dice—the dice could—they could go in my favor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, and also like, you know, I mean, it's still a, it's still a like a social game, right? Like. So, like, you get to build these memories, like, you know. Yeah. Do, do you remember the time that you were rolling seven attack dice and I had one defense dice <laughs> and and I rolled a crit? Or do you remember the time that, you know, I had four defense dice and you had two attack dice and you rolled a crit on the attack? Um, you know, so it builds the same kind of memories that a lot of miniatures players will remember from you know, memorable 40K games and memorable memorable Age of Sigmar games or memorable Malifaux or Marvel Crisis Protocol or whatever it is. You get these kind of odds-defying moments that stick in your memory as, 
you know, this kind of cinematic or, or dramatic moment in a game, which is, I mean, I really enjoy. Like that's, I, I'm with you, Jason. It's one of the one of the draws to the game for me is that, you know, you get these chances to celebrate ridiculous things happening. <laughs> yeah, it's, and I think the key there is celebrate that they do happen because they happen to all of us. I mean, you know, five dice with supports and a reroll, and someone double crits out of it. You know, yeah. they, by double crits, like even the second attack, you crit it out of it. So, you know, those things just last forever. Um, but uh, it, it's much more memorable than rolling seven dice, rolling four successes, having one defense dice and saying, okay, I can't beat it. Right? Like it's, yeah, it's done. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, and I, that's a really good point. Like there's always a chance. Right? Like, if as long as you don't stack a bunch of crits on the first roll, on the attack roll, mm-hmm. your opponent, there's always a chance of disrupting what it, whatever it was that you're trying to do, which I, I think that's important. Yeah, I agree. So that's the dice. We've, covered, we've kind of covered the depth of the game, the process of the game, what the game's about, the decisions that you go into to kind of building your warband. We've mentioned kind of rotation and stuff like that. And the one thing about this game is there are many ways to play it. Now, the most popular is championship mode. So what is championship mode? It's the it's the competitive um, mode for Warhammer Underworlds. It consists of cards from the last the current season and the last season. So two seasons of cards um, you're allowed to make your selections from from building decks and any warband. So, you know, you have your warband and the warband faction cards, which are always current. And then if you're playing championship, uh, you currently would have Beast Grave and um, Dire Chasm cards to select from. And any of the cards that came out in expansions during that time. Um, so that's the most popular. And it's also, you know, once again, best of three is the, the Grand Clash style of championship mode. Um, yeah. So that's the the thing you'll find out there the most, but there are a lot of other ones too that are, yeah. that are supported by uh, GW. Yeah. So I think, uh, I think probably the next one, and this is probably going to be the best way to play if you're new to the game or you're trying to build a community and that's Vanguard or Vanguard plus. So Vanguard is advertised by games workshop is a, a mode designed by, you know, the, the games team. Um, and it, it means that you are only able to use, the current season war bands and cards um and so you know you're you're going from the analysis paralysis of having to choose from 36 available war bands to only having to choose from 10. Um, so uh, you know it severely limits you know your options but it can also make making that decision easier and the other really good thing about it is that all of the current season war bands are going to be regularly available minus the crimson court because vampire players are crazy vampires um, are cool <laughs> vampires are cool and the war band released at the same time as a new battle tome for age of sigmar and everybody wanted to be able to create their cool custom vampires for their uh, soul blight grave lords armies from the war band which i don't blame them because the models are awesome they they are but, some of the most detailed models I've ever seen. So. Yeah, 
no, I'm, I'm looking forward to painting them. Yeah, so you could do Vanguard or Vanguard Plus, which would be allowing... So yeah, Vanguard Plus is a community kind of add-on just to make the format a little more approachable to a lot of players. So, you know, the same thing that, that Jared kind of laid out there is it only incorporates universal cards from the current season, so Dire Chasm um, or, you know, the starter set. But it allows you to select any warband that's out there. So, yeah. you know, if you were able to find Skaven, you know, and you really like Skaven, you could bring that and then any of the current season's cards. Um, I really think that that is going to be kind of the the community's addition to Vanguard, uh, especially coming out of COVID, where you could get, you know, re- reintroduction of players that maybe already had a warband along the way. And it makes it just a really, really approachable and easy for someone to get out there and play. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's probably, I think that's probably what we'll start doing when, yeah. uh, once we start getting back into the community to play is bring whatever your warband you want. And the only thing that you're beholden to is, is you know, using the current season's universal cards. Um, but if somebody hasn't had the time to purchase or they bought all of Warhammer Underworld's Shadespire and they haven't bought anything since, well, there's a game mode for that. And it's there called is. Relic. And that basically means you can use whatever you want, whatever you have, whatever you've got. If you're rolling up to a 40K tournament and you have your squat army from 1991, <laughs> you can bring it. Um, Wait, in Underworlds? Time I'm lost. No, you jumped yeah, right there. <laughs> I did. But the, but the point stands that, you know, like this is, this is wide open. This is use whatever you have. You know, like we're not... You know, at this point, I think you're really just saying, well, let's just get some games in. Like, let's just get yeah. together and have fun. Let's get together and enjoy ourselves. Have a social experience where dice are rolled and miniatures are moved around and a game is played and everybody has fun. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So pre-COVID, Relic didn't really take off, right? Like, it was it was there, and I, you know, I want to emphasize that Relic is 100% supported by GW. Like, there is a... A document that kind of updates Relic uh, as the the game grows, um, but there wasn't many events from it, and I think it's just because there are so many cards. Like some of the combos that could be out there could be really broken. Maybe yeah. I don't know. I haven't played a full. I, I've played Relic decks just to you know have a game, like you say, but I haven't spent time um, refining those decks. So. Sure, I'm <laughs> sure that yeah. Well. I just think back to season one and there are definitely some cards that were a lot of fun in season one, but I think it's probably best for the game that they're not in the, in the most popular game format. So whose turn is it anyway? Yeah. Right. (laughs) It's my turn. Um, turn. So, uh, you know, another popular format that it's supported is called Alliance format. And this one, Take a little more explanation. So this would be a, a team of three players. So you'd have you and two of your friends, and you would select a different warband amongst you, and there can be no repeat cards in any of your decks. And this this format is is gaining a lot of popularity. Um, it adds a level of depth and strategy to your warband selection. And more importantly, when you sit down at the tables. There is a little mini game where you can you kind of put up a warband and someone counters with another warband, so you get to pick kind of your matchup 
um, in this format, but really it's limited by the the design space of the deck. Like not everybody can take the most powerful um, universal cards that everyone wants. You really have to make good selections on your warband and who gets access to those cards because there can be only one. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know we had the opportunity to do to do a remote alliance league last year, and that was a lot of fun. It was. I did I not. Won I did. I did not like being the captain because it meant that I had to play the mini game to figure out matchups. And I guess I just hate Jason because I always gave him <laughs> matchups that he lost. But no, it's fine. But that, but that now, could be a legitimate strategy in that in that format where you, you know, you have kind of the the patsy that you just throw to the wolves, and your other two players could design really strong decks. So I don't know. So what's the most fun format, Jason? Oh, the most craziest fun, a night of full of laughs, is Arena Mortis. And this is where the game starts to change from its normal format. But I think Arena Mortis would be a great way to introduce someone new to the game. Uh, Arena Mortis, you select one fighter, Jared. Just one fighter out of your entire collection. Yeah. And you design... 36... 36 warbands with an average of, say, five fighters per warband. So sure. one out of 180. <laughs> really? You, that's you, the world's your oyster. Let me count. One, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then with that one fighter, you design a deck of, you know, of Gambit's employees, and you play a kind of easier version because you're only managing that one person, and no, when that person's knocked out of action they they come back the next turn um yep. so it's just it's fun combos i'm sure that you know if you really sat down there you could break this game mode but just think about going to to your local game store and saying hey who wants to try underworlds i have a deck built for you know arena mortis version which is one fighter and you have that fighter and you just throw some dice and you laugh at that single defense crit or you know the the combo whip where she's just hitting hitting everybody around and yep. taking everyone out. Uh, and there's a really cool me- uh, catch-up mechanic in there where if someone gets really a- ahead on glory, it actually kind of hurts them. So, oh. no, That's good. And then two other fun game modes that will just, you know, that are out there that are on um, the community site is Grand Avatars, which allows you to design a warband from picking from the Grand Alliance. So, like, you can pick from multiple warbands that are all in death or multiple warbands that are all in order. You kind of create your own warband. You create your own deck. And it's just a fun play mode that we haven't tried yet um, because of COVID, but I can't wait to to get a couple of Grand Avatar games in. Uh, and then the last one is one of the first additional game modes, and that was the, the Gargant, which is a cooperative slash... Like me against you, <laughs> yeah. Beat up a big giant, but also beat up each other. Um, yep. Meant to be fun. Yeah. Oh, you missed one. Oh, did I? You did. So, many. so How did I miss COVID, one? COVID being what it was, where everybody was stuck at home, the designers of the game actually released a like single player mode of the game. So uh, it's called Crushing Terror, and there's a PDF out there uh, for the rules for it. But you could basically use any stand-in large miniature. Um, it's got all of the rules that you need to 
to use that the character. I think it, it uses the um, the Fomoroid Crusher uh, from Age of Sigmar, but you could use any large model, a beer can for all I care, um, <laughs> to represent that model. But it gives you a way to play the game by itself. So there's kind of a, a like a a pseudo AI uh, for the for the monster, and then it's your warband fighting against the monster, um, you know, for glory and for bragging rights. So, so awesome. So we've covered we've covered the depth, like what the game's about, the depth of the game, kind of the basic mechanics of the game, all the game modes that you could be interested in. So, what are the issues with the game? Like, if I'm getting into this game, what are what are some things that I, I should look out for or things that may be, um, you know, opportunities for this game to, to get better in? Yeah, so I think the biggest one, we mentioned there are 36 warbands in the game. But if you go to the Games Workshop website, you can only purchase 18 of them currently. Uh, I think you can purchase the models for most of the other ones, uh, but it does not include the cards. Um, and that could be production issues. It could be the fact that, Previous seasons have already rotated out, um, you know, whatever decision that was made by Games Workshop, you know, the, the, there are 18 warbands that are currently unavailable. And that could mean, you know, in a championship setting where you're playing against you know, people that have been playing against season one, they may have access to a warband that you don't. So it could be unfamiliar or it could be, you know, maybe a little bit more potent than... Uh, the warband that you're using. And so, I mean, that's certainly one thing, uh, you know, to kind of consider. And I think that's one of the reasons that the Vanguard or Vanguard Plus mode uh, is going to be popular as, as the world starts to open back up, because then you're not, you know, it doesn't feel like you're you're behind if you're just now getting into the game. You know, with the current models available, current warbands available in Vanguard mode, you know, you have the same access to cards and, and warbands as everyone else. So that's certainly one issue. Yeah, and I think the other one for people that are familiar with the game is, you know, the game has been very well supported through the years with, uh, you know, uh, tournament kits, uh, through updates, through FAQs. But because of COVID, uh, the current state of the game, we do not have a current FAR list, which is a forsaken and restricted list. And that list, basically, if it's a Forsaken card, means it's not playable. Um, typically, there's some sort of gameplay mechanic um, or wording on the card that was not, um, that doesn't go with the current state of the game. So they just say it's Forsaken. And I want to, there's only a handful of those. Like, there's less than five. Um, but more importantly, there's a restricted list. And those are cards that are, you know, well within the game well within the intentions of the game, but they restrict them because maybe they're just overused or maybe just a tad bit powerful. And you can only put three restricted cards in your deck. So you have to make some really, really um, tough choices between some very, very popular cards that could support your play style. Um, And right now we're waiting for one. It's been, you know, it's been well over a year, um, almost whole season without a far. So that is a, a current issue with the game. Um, but it is my opinion that if you're playing in a, a solid local community, you can overcome um, that far. And I'm sure that a that a far or a proper GW update is not too far off with the world opening up. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a 
it's a good idea. I mean, I figure, I think you're right. As, as the world opens up and more events happen, you know, we'll see updates to things. Yeah. Yeah. So we've gone through all that. I think we need to summarize why right now would be the best time for someone new or someone returning to jump into uh, Warhammer Underworlds. Yeah, so I think the first reason is that, you know, people are starting to be able to get together to play again. I think, you know, really? the fact that you, I know, wow. right? The fact that you and I have been able to, to get out of our houses and go sit in a restaurant. Oh, actually, this is, so this is another thing, and we didn't really talk about this, um, but I think it's worth mentioning that the, the, what the footprint of the game is really not that large. Like Jason and I were able to go to a restaurant not like a game store, but a, a, an actual restaurant. And the two of us were able to sit at a four top table and have room for all of the crap that we bring to play this game and to play <laughs> the game. Um, you know, if you're, if you're concise and you can pack small, then I think, you know, a, a two top table is, you know, it, it, the game fits on a coffee table. It, it, it'll a hundred percent fit on, you know, your dining room table. It'll fit on a card table. Um, so, uh, you know, that it's, I, for us, that's a huge draw. Like, the, yeah. we're not having to set up a whatever the current 60 inch by 44 inch neoprene mat and then terrain and all of that. Like, you, it's, you know, like a 30 inch by 30 inch square uh, of game yeah. space that's really required to play. Yeah, um, we, but did, with we, the, we did miss that. And, you know, just to drive home that point, like, it was it's great like you could literally could take it anywhere and find space um or you know do what we've been doing like a you know lunch hammer or you know getting together for for a quick bite to eat and getting in a game of underworlds yeah no so so the world's opening back up and then um jason why don't you talk about the current state of the game so like yeah the ways that you can win <clears throat> and all that stuff yes so the other the other reason that i think it's a really good time to start in warhammer underworlds is the current state of the game and it, and it to me it's 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 very healthy and you know i know i'll get some of the uh the pushback on the far list and that is an opportunity like we discussed but other than that like that the the few cards that need to be restricted um or faq clarifications that are that i'm sure will happen the state of the game is very healthy because of the redundancy. So there's multiple ways to play the game because there's redundancy in the card base. And, you know, to me, like in prior seasons, like in season one and season two, there were cards that, you know, for example, push a fighter. And that type of card was only accessible maybe by a war band or maybe it was a single card in the season. This season, or the, these two seasons put together, have multiple ways to add speed. They have multiple ways to kind of push opponents around or push yourself around the board. They have multiple ways to add health. They have multiple ways to heal. Um, they have multiple surge object objectives that kind of, they're a little tweaked, a little different, but yet the same way. So where seasons pass, they would say you need to buy every single pack. And to be the most competitive, you would still need to do that to buy every warband to get the universals. But the current state of the game, I think you can design a very competitive deck, a very competitive warband with picking and choosing certain 
factions that you buy, right? Um, having access to those cards. Uh, and then just right now it supports so many different styles of play. So, um, you know, there's the aggro, which is just run and, and attack, attack, attack. There's my style, which is kind of a flex. Like, I like to hit you, but when you come to me, but I'm going to push you away. Um, there's a control style, which is like I try to disrupt every single thing that you do and do what I so I can do what I want to do, but you don't get to do anything you want to do. So there's just so many different ways that the game is is balanced right now. I think that uh, out of all the time that I've been playing right now is is the most fun I'm having with those multiple ways to play. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes sense. And I, yeah, I think just the, the viability of, a, of essentially any warband right now is, is, is pretty key. You know, if you're looking at, you know, the, the 18 that are currently available, um, I think each of those is viable in its own way and can provide good, fun games. So gone over the game why it's a great time to start jared how do i get started in the game best way to get started would be to buy the warhammer underworld starter set only because it's evergreen warbands um it is a starter set it comes with boards uh two boards comes with all of the tokens all of the dice that you need to play uh, and then it comes with two warbands and uh and all of their universal cards so this is the or not their universal cards their warband cards so it comes with uh, a warband of four Stormcast Eternals, well, three Stormcast Eternals and their Griffhound, their bird dog, and then uh, four creepy glaive-wielding ghost dudes. Um, yeah. And, and and the reason that I, the, the one thing to note here is the rules that do come in this, to your point, are a little watered down. Like, they're kind of like the basics of Underworlds. But the two warbands that you get here, if they appeal to you, like one of them is very competitive yep. in the current the current meta. So yeah, those those true. those go those ghosty horse half horse half sheets are are good. Yep. The Dreeper creepers, Dreepers, <laughs> Dreepers, creepers. Yeah, so they're good. And then you know, I, so if if you go that route, there's also another card pack that will be evergreen, and that's the essential card pack. Um, and so what that does is this would allow you to expand, you know, your existing warbands with universal cards. So it can provide more flavor um, to your to your deck style. So how you score your points, um, like the goal of your of your warband, and then the tools that you get to help you score those points. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably the best way to get started would be to pick the starter set and then the essentials pack. Um, if neither of the warbands really appeal to you, but one of the warbands from the Dire Chasm box appeals to you, then you could probably get the Dire Chasm box and then the Essentials card pack. Um, it's critical, really, that you buy one of the box sets, though, to get your dice and the rulebook and boards and all of that stuff. Um, the boards are from there, <laughs> Yeah, the boards are very essential. I can't play without them. And But I, I think from there, then you just... You start looking at warbands that you like. I mean, you could get out with a starter set, the essentials card back, and then one other warband, and and you would have everything that you would need to play. And at that point, you could potentially own three warbands. So now you've got enough to play and to introduce the game to more people. 
Yeah, exactly. And from there, the game really takes off. Um, so, you know, in closing with that, like, let's say you do start with, with three war bands. You know, I'd be remiss to, to mention one of the other favorite things of this game for me is exactly that. As you grow and, and um, enjoy the game and progress through season and season, you know, in all other games, typically what happens is you start with a faction and then about five games in, you're like, I want a different play style and I want to choose a different faction. Well, the beauty of Warhammer Underworlds is as you build your collection, at any point in time, you'll have access to other playstyles and warbands to select from, and that will keep you coming back in day in, day out, or yeah. maybe month in, month out. Yeah. If it's during COVID. <laughs> That's right. Quarterly. Yeah. Well, awesome. Any- any, any closing remarks, Jason? No, you know, I, you know, I, I hope that the the episode leads people to to give Warhammer Underworlds a try. Very excited to get back out in the world and and start building our local scene. And uh, I'm, you know, just just happy that I've had a game that I've really really enjoyed and uh, been able to play over the last few years. So, gosh, it has been. A few years, hasn't it? Yeah. I think that's, that's, yeah. Well, it's crazy because, I mean, and this is just a testimony to the game. I, you know, I think about the number of Warhammer Underworlds games that I've played in the past four years. And I'm pretty sure it drastically outstrips the combined number of Warhammer 40k and Age of Sigmar games that I've played in the past eight years. Yes. I, I would wholeheartedly agree. Which is, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a major selling point to me that, that we can get together and play a game in 45 minutes. That, you know, if we do like a full on game night where we get, you know, three to four hours, we're going to get four to six games in. And, and it's yeah. a full game experience. It's not, yeah. And typically we're not I mean, rushing. We're shooting shooting the bulls. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I think there will always be a part of me that enjoys the spectacle of 40K and Age of Sigmar, but it's hard to beat a quick 40-minute game. When you have those obligations at home, sometimes right. I only get an hour away. That's right. Yep. Balancing life with the games we love. Um, yeah, well, I guess with that, we'll, uh, I don't know. I'll, let's, let's just take a break for old time's sake so I can come in oh, and take a break. do a little, okay. do a little editing. All right. Sounds good. And we'll, we'll be back with the outro. <laughs> and we're back. And that'll round us out for the show. So I just want to say thanks for taking the time to listen. Uh, we hope that you have uh, gotten some information and maybe you can share this podcast with friends that are interested in games um, so you can build your own local community, um, get other people into Warhammer Underworlds. Um, we do have a Discord server. Uh, there'll be a link to the server in the show notes um, or in the description of the podcast, depending on where you're listening to it. 
uh, from, and you can come in there. You know, we will occasionally be online. If you have questions about Underworlds, we're more than happy to ask. If you have questions about anything else that we can relate to, you know, we're happy to answer questions there. I think as life gets more back to normal, we might start scheduling some hobby hangout nights uh, for anybody that's interested in doing some hobby stuff and being logged into a computer while you do those. Um, if you want to find more episodes, we're available basically on every podcasting venue out there at this point, I think. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, and that list goes on and on and on. Uh, if you want other people to be able to find our content, you can like, subscribe, and review, you know, as all the influencers say. Uh, but really, we just hope that you've enjoyed the episode and that, you know, that you're able to get out there and play some Warhammer Underworlds. So with that, we are two dads and a poly-objective warband gamer. Two dads, one of whom includes a poly objective warband gamer. This is Jared signing out. I am so confused right now. I'm Jason Table Newt Murray. Get the hell out of here. (laughs) Peace. podcast is protected under the Creative Commons license. If you have further questions as to its use, you can find more information via links on podcast.battle-mallet.com. Music by Anno Domini Beats. only we had made some notes or something and put some thought into this episode. Okay.